The vast majority of our clients, it's a crisis. They didn't, they're not planning for this. So it sounds like a cliche, but it's a reality. Uh, so many times somebody fell down the stairs, broke a hip, went to the hospital, is getting discharged from rehab, and they're being told, if you go home, you need a home care aide or you need to go to assisted living. So for, for most people, this is not planned out. You know, everyone thinks they're healthy and young. Welcome to Now or Never, long-term care strategy with Costa Yepifonsif, a podcast for all those seeking answers and solutions in the long-term care space. This podcast is designed to create resources, start conversations, and bring awareness to the industry that will inevitably impact all Americans. Here's your host, Costa Yepifonsif. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Joseph Chu. Certified Senior Advisor and Owner of Assisted Living Locators in Bergen County, New Jersey. Assisted Living Locators is a nationwide network of senior care advisors who work together to help families and their loved ones provide a healthy and safe environment that will allow seniors to thrive. Today, we're talking about how to choose the right long-term care. So let's start at the beginning. If you're listening to this podcast, you're likely new to the long-term care industry, or you will soon need care for yourself or a loved one. Joseph, what's the first step? Uh, well, thanks so much, Costa, for that great introduction and for having me on. You're and, um, you know, this is a very confusing process for most people. Uh, your average person will know nothing about this unless they're forced to deal with it and make a decision. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, Avi, I mean, I think the most important thing is figuring out um, the person in need, uh, what they mm -hmm. need, what their level sure. of care is. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, very basic in layman's terms, I'll ask the client if your loved one, mom or dad, or your loved one, moved into a community or facility today, what exactly would they would they need help with? And then yeah. normally if they don't answer the question, then I'll ask, do they need med management? Someone to help okay. them take their medicine in the morning. Do they need help, um, you know, in layman's terms, going to the bathroom, showering, putting on clothes, getting in and out of bed, and or even eating? And sure. if they need help with all of those things I mentioned, uh, in our world, we call those ADLs, mm -hmm. activities of daily living. And in our world, if if a person needs help with ADLs, the, you know, uh, they could stay home. And if a loved one can take care of them, that's possible. Mm -hmm. Or they can hire a home care aide who's going to take care of those ADLs. Or uh, my job is to help the families find an assisted living community or an assisted living apartment unit sure. home, yeah. which takes care of all those ADLs. And a lot of the, the general public doesn't realize the difference between an assisted living community and a nursing home. Okay. So they, in many people think, oh yeah, so we're looking for a nursing home, right? And I need to explain um, over and over again 
try to explain the difference between a nursing home and an assisted living community. The joke in our uh, field is we don't call it a facility. That's the F word. So we try not to say <laughs> assisted living facility. We try to sure. say assisted living community. Okay. And uh, in a nutshell, someone who needs to go to a, a nursing home where some people call it a sniff, a skilled nursing sure. facility, that's mm-hmm. for people who need 24-hour medical care or skilled medical care. You need the doctors and the nurses and the machines to keep you alive. Right. And so that's when you need to look at the world of SNFs, which is a different world than the world I specialize in is assisted living communities. So I think that's the the major thing we need to figure out. If they don't need medical care or skilled care and they need help with what we what we call it non-skilled care everything i mentioned in the adls mm-hmm. then that's the world of assisted living or a home care aid and if people get shocked when they're learning about this they're like oh so we're going to get a nurse to take care of me at home or we're going to get a nurse is going to take care mm-hmm. of me right. at the assisted living community and i need to explain if you paid for a nurse um to help you with all those things, you would be overpaying a lot of money. Oh, hundreds of thousands, I would say, probably a year to have a right. nurse take care of you, you know, 24 hours a day or, or provide some of the basic care that, that people need for sure. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, we do a little education exactly that. Um, it's it's a very noble work to help right. someone who needs help to get up and shower and go to the bathroom, but you're not going to be paying a nurse or a medical doctor for their time to, to help you with those things. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about pay since we're on the subject. Um, how can you responsibly determine how much you can pay and what are our options for funding and how do most people pay for long-term care? This is a tough question. Um, I live in northern New Jersey, a few miles outside of New York City. Mm -hmm. So in my world, let's talk about assisted living first. Okay. In my world, private pay assisted living communities, I'm very sorry to say the average price for an individual to have a private studio for rent and for their care, average mm-hmm. is eight thousand a month. Wow! For one, That's almost a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And what does that and get you? It gets you a studio apartment. Um, the the more fancy ones look like a five star hotel, including okay. the dining areas and the rec- recreation areas, and um, the more humble ones look more like a humble holiday inn mm-hmm. and um, three meals a day uh, housekeeping. They call it carefree living. Uh, all mm-hmm. the bills are covered. Some places pay for cable TV, but many places you pay a small fee for cable. And, um, you know, obviously if you need a cell phone, you would pay for that. Otherwise you don't have any extra bills, but you do pay for the hairdresser. If you, that comes in and, and, Field, field trips and things like that. But many of the activities and lectures are, are free. 
uh, and there's a car service. And here, here's where I'm. I, uh, well, go ahead, go ahead. And well, I'll no, no, I was just going to say the actual yeah. care though that people receive, yeah. like to the assistance with the ADLs, like you were talking about the activities of daily living. Is that yeah. in that hundred thousand dollar cost? Great question. So typically, no. Uh, typically, oh, okay. nine out of ten places, there's a price for rent. So okay. a well-priced place here in New Jersey, in other parts of the country, it might be roughly half or a little more than half. Yeah, it's like it's about forty percent. Uh, about it's about yeah. sixty thousand dollars in like Tennessee, for example. Right, right. So um, here in New Jersey, a well-priced studio might be four thousand a month which covers rent and your meals and activities and, um, you know, basic car service here and there. But mm -hmm. then they, they add something called um, levels of care. So depending on what you need help with, like let's say you can't shower on your own, then they'll ask you, do you want to shower once a week, twice a week, or three times a week? And they'll put a price tag on that. Okay. As well as all, all those ADLs, they try to um, charge you only for what you're going to use. And uh, and then med management is usually different. So there's okay. usually a separate charge for med management. And at most, usually, like, expensive would be 4000 5000 for care. That's very expensive uh, right. for someone who needs a lot of care. And that's on um, top of the 8000 yeah. No, 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 no. So that eight thousand was was a um, average for both. I should have clarified rent plus oh, care. Oh, good. Oh, I should God, have clarified. You're saying that. it's going to cost twelve grand. <laughs> I should have clarified okay, that. Good. But good, but good. the nice fancy places uh, do cost eight thousand for a studio sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So on average, when you are um, working with clients, uh, placing them in an assisted living facility, on average, how much do they pay a month for? living there, the carefree living aspect, and then also for the actual care that's being provided. Right. Average is hard to say, uh, but it, 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 at the end of the day, for a pretty nice, modern, mm -hmm. name brand place, 8,000, th that's what they say is average. It's It, it might be the average. Okay. But, you know, if you're in the memory care section, which is a secured or a locked unit with uh, more staff and more help for people with that's, severe dementia, that's going to cost mm -hmm. more. Yeah. I see. So but what the, funding but the options? Yeah. Okay. Funding options. I was just going to say real quickly, the trend for yeah. memory care is it's becoming mm -hmm. all-inclusive pricing. So instead of saying you, you pay this for rent and this for care, more and more places are doing all-inclusive uh, because they know that the price is astronomical and it's so hard to swallow. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I just want to interject as well. And yeah. I am familiar with that statistic and I've always wondered mm -hmm. if it's because a memory care patients don't typically, um, don't have any type of physical disabilities or if they are, they're not, um, disabilities that may contribute to like severe ambulatory issues so it's hard for them to move around uh, and a lot of staff typically uh, do not want to have to use you know gate belts and hoyer lifts and things like that and actually in a lot of ways if you consider what a caregiver is or somebody that's a home health aide they love 
to provide companionship services and work with patients who may have Alzheimer's um, or dementia. Obviously, severe dementia is a completely different animal, but um, that's something that I've I've noticed the trend as well is memory care units typically are better staffed with higher quality staff. Uh, and a lot of people sort of, if you, if you are building an assisted living community, um, they're building it around memory care. Yeah. Yeah. Great need. So great need. So from the funding perspective, what are Mm -hmm. the options? Okay. So, um, the vast majority of people are doing private pay. Very few people had a long-term care insurance policy that would actually cover this. And the ones from three to four decades ago are robust and excellent. They'll actually pay for it for many years. Okay, But uh, the ones after 20, 30, 40 years ago, the ones they're selling now, the insurance companies realize they can't pay for this product. So... Either they'll charge mm-hmm. too much or what you're getting for, for what you're, the actual policy does not cover much. So that's a very, mm-hmm. I mean, out of all the clients I've helped, less than 10% actually had a legitimate, robust um, long-term care policy. I see. So um, here, let me explain in New Jersey, there, in New Jersey, there's, in every town, there's met, there's a handful of private pay assisted living communities. Uh, There are dozens and dozens of options. But when I look at North Jersey, I only know of three legitimate buildings that we call a direct Medicaid building, which means from day one, those who have Medicaid, which are those who can uh, prove they don't have assets and apply for New Jersey state Medicaid, from day one, um, Medicaid will pay for them. What are the asset levels in New Jersey? Uh, I, I forgot the specific number, but you really need to show that you don't have much and okay. you're not collecting much in uh, social security and, okay. and pension. And um, so, I mean, I, I want to say this carefully, but uh, those three legitimate buildings I know of, it's a huge difference from a, a private pay building. And I in mean, terms the, of- of um, service and how nice it is and how pleasant it is like to visit. Like the quality of care. That too. And mm-hmm. just um, the cleanliness. Mm-hmm. And um, it would, it would for many people, it would be very difficult to put your loved one there. Yeah. So I guess for many people, that that's the last resort. If you need assisted living and you can't pay for it and you have Medicaid. So there's a huge gap with um, the direct Medicaid buildings and there's not many of them. And now to pay for a private pay building. So the big discussion is, yeah, very wealthy people can afford Mm -hmm. that product for years. But what about everyone in between? And I, I don't want to confuse the issue, but um, New Jersey has a great law that private pay buildings built after 2001, by law, need to give 10% of their beds away as Medicaid beds. Wow. Very is generous. That, in, that, is, that is generous. Is that just in New Jersey or are there other states that do that as well? I mean, as, as far as I know, I've only heard of it in New Jersey. Interesting. 
So when those buildings, usually they have like a two or three year grace period from opening and then they have to mm-hmm. start giving it away. When they, when they have to, in a sense, give away those Medicaid beds, uh, they feel like they're handing out lottery tickets. Right. Right. And so just on a personal level, I've, <laughs> I've had buildings call me typically at the end of the year saying, Joe, we have this number of Medicaid beds to give out. And I feel like Santa Claus because I'm connecting the right people to those buildings Mm -hmm. and um, they're not, they're paying nothing or close to nothing. And their neighbors are paying almost $10,000 or close to it. So you're saying that most of your clients pay for this out of pocket. They're not on Medicaid and they don't have long-term care insurance. Yes. So okay. when I have clients who are on Medicaid, uh, I do my best to um, help them and get get them in the right place and to make the right decisions. But mm-hmm. as I shared with you, I, I only know of three legitimate buildings in North Jersey. So, mm-hmm. And then there's a, quite a handful in Rockland County, New York, but um, th- you're very limited with what you can do. So uh, the private pay world then those are the majority of our clients. Yes, it's um, mm-hmm. they're paying out of pocket. So kind of play this out for me, this scenario, if you don't mind. Um, somebody comes to you and they have saved $500,000 for retirement and they need long-term care mm-hmm. uh, and they want to be an assisted living facility because they cannot live at home anymore they can live um at home obviously they want to live at home but maybe they can only afford to pay for eight hours of care so what about the other 16 hours so they choose an assisted living facility for that purpose (laughs) when you're explaining to them that this five hundred thousand dollars that they have will only last them four years how does that conversation go so this is where it goes here in New Jersey. Everything we discussed about getting a Medicaid bed in a private pay building. Sure. Uh, a, a lot of my clients, they call me and they're already talking to their elder law attorneys and planning their future. And a lot of them, their first question with me or their first strategy with me is, Joe, um, we want a place where they they know the lingo. The lingo is... We want to do the private pay spend down, and then we want okay. to be guaranteed a Medicaid bed. Got it. So, and then there are elder law attorneys here that are very confident that if you work with them, and they usually charge starting eight thousand to do your uh, Medicaid application. These are okay. for people where it's complex because it's not so simple for them to prove that they don't have assets, and um, so they're. They're trying to find a place where they know they can private pay for two years or three years, spend out their assets, and then get that guaranteed Medicaid bed, which I help my clients with. I I just want to share a lot of times the staff of these buildings, they find it comical because they know in the world of assisted living, your average stay is usually way less than two, three years. I mean, anything can happen. You sorry to say you you could pass or your condition can get worse so that you might have to go to 
uh, skilled nursing facility or hospital. So, I mean, the future mm-hmm. is unknown, but a right. lot of the families, they, they want to lock in that guarantee. And so we do, I do help them with that approach and finding a place. Most of the buildings will discreetly give the guarantee um, if it's given written, but many buildings will simply say they can't give you a written guarantee. So the question that I have, because I speak to a lot of professionals in this field that are either doing the ser- providing the service that you provide um, or their attorneys that provide the, the Medicaid application services, New Jersey has a look back period. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you say get a guaranteed bed, you're saying, because we have to talk about generational wealth at some point, And I'm assuming that all these people aren't saving money for retirement just to spend it all on care. So mm-hmm. if let's just say, for example, New Jersey has a five year look back period. I right? believe that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So I just got saying, my flu shot. So if I'm wrong, oh no, me. you're fine. <laughs> Listen, like, you're fine. I've got to. I've got to get my flu shot on Wednesday anyway. So you're fine. Um, <laughs> okay, great. I'll be right in the same boat as you. <laughs> That's so good. If they come to you and say, "I need to pay ten thousand dollars a month for five years," um, so I'll so I'll pay for sixty months, and I'll get an irrevocable trust, for example, um, to put all my assets in. So I'll pay $600,000 to this assisted living facility. I'll be eligible for Medicaid, and then I'm guaranteed a Medicaid bed. And so anything over $600,000, I can leave to my relatives and loved ones when I pass, but I will have to pay $600,000 to be in this assisted living. Is that essentially the gist? So... um uh, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording, I, I'm not going to talk about stuff that I don't know. Oh, <laughs> and I will sure. talk, no, 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 absolutely. I will talk about stuff that I do know. And I, I'll just tell you, uh, just watching from the outside, uh, what I've seen families do. And it's comical because when I ask the lawyers and their staff for help, they won't give me anything. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they want to meet directly with the family right. and they don't want to share information. I mean, they want their knowledge to be their yeah. knowledge. Uh, I do know with the five-year look back, that's something they start before they even enter the assisted living community. I see. So, so they fulfill that to separately apply to New Jersey State Medicaid and get approved. Sure. And then the assisted living community, uh, we we talked briefly about the the private pay spend down. Uh, usually, it's two years. Some places do places places do three years. I see. Most places brag about the fact that they're not going to make you prove your finances, but some places um, they're going to want the family to prove that they can pay for two years or three years. And then some of these places will discreetly give a signed contract saying after those two or three years, it's your job to get approved for Medicaid. And once you do, we will give you the Medicaid bed. And these, these buildings have lived up to their, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the only reason why I'm asking, I'm not trying to put you on the hot seat or anything like that. The only reason that I'm asking is for two reasons. Number one is I want listeners to have a general concept of how much it costs for long-term care in an assisted living facility, whether uh, when you're paying out of pocket. And so whether you are, um, 
you know, you didn't plan accordingly and you didn't go to your look back period um, prior to, to having a disability, you kind of have a general understanding of this is going to cost between, you know, two hundred and six hundred thousand dollars a year. But the, the second reason uh, that I want to bring it up is because I also want listeners to know that. And I'm going to paraphrase what you just said for the state of New Jersey, which I don't have much experience in. An assisted living facility is going to make more money on a private pay bed than they are on a Medicaid bed. So whether you are on med or whether you're eligible for Medicaid or you are um, because you followed the process of the look back period, they're going to say no. You need to pay upfront for two or three years, and then. You can will transition you to your to Medicaid, and you can have one of our Medicaid pay, beds and not pay for it at all. Um, so imagine the wealth of the people that never get that Medicaid bed and are in that assisted living facility for six, seven, eight years, right? Yeah, yeah. and I I just want to add, I've yeah. seen I've had clients and I've seen cases where they've lived three, four, five years in a very expensive place. And then they realized mm -hmm. they're running out of money. And then they go, oh my goodness, now we need to go to a place that's going to give us the guarantee. And, or they say, oh my goodness, we just need to go to a, a very humble place, which is a tough transition for anyone oh, I to bet. make. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the different types of care. Now that you know the care you need, and how much you can afford, how can you start determining what type of facility or care program is best for you? What are the most critical differences between our main options? At-home care, assisted living, and facility-based care. So you mentioned uh, the cost of at-home care is usually much more than an living in an assisted living home. Right. So what what I've seen is um, extremely wealthy people can stay in their comfortable home and hire at-home care, as much of it as they need, including 24-hour or live-in care. Mm -hmm. And then compared to that, assisted living is a bargain. <laughs> and then I've seen... Um, very wealthy people, instead of going to a small apartment unit, which is what assisted living typically is, mm -hmm. they'll get a gigantic, something they call independent living unit. Okay. Where you get a full kitchen, even though they don't use the full kitchen, it just makes it feel more homey. Mm -hmm. It looks like a full-size apartment, looks homey, often it has a nice balcony or or patio terrace. And then they'll hire their uh, home care aid at independent living. So you're paying a, a lot for independent living, and then you're paying a lot for your home care because that home care aid is just for you. So right. that's like much better care than assisted living where if you need to go to the bathroom, you press a button and you wait 15 minutes or more. Right. Right. So, you're like one of 20 people that she cares for. Yeah, right. Cares for. So I've seen very people who have the money and are willing to spend it. Sometimes they'll make that decision. Yeah. So as we know, unfortunately, 
most care options will be dictated by funding, preparation, and what resources are available to those searching for care. How can we best prepare financially and personally to leave as many doors open as possible? Well, let me say this. Um, The vast majority of our clients, it's a crisis. They didn't, Mm -hmm. they're not planning for this. So, um, it sounds like a cliche, but it's a reality. Uh, so many times somebody fell down the stairs, broke a hip, went to the hospital, is getting discharged from rehab, and they're being told, if you go home, you need a home care aid or you need to go to assisted living. Mm-hmm. So for, for most people, this is not planned out. You know, right. everyone thinks yeah. they're healthy and young. Or so, like a stroke, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That can yeah, happen. paralyze on the left side or something like that. Absolutely. So um, it's interesting to to kind of coach somebody to prepare for this. It's, it's not an easy task because everyone mm-hmm. thinks they're young and healthy. Um, and so even even trying to educate people on like what we're doing now, the, a lot of the general public they don't care until they have to care, right? Right. So uh, it's it's kind of humorous. My own friends and family members, like they'll ask me, "Oh yeah, you work with nursing homes, right?" And that's humorous to me because I've I can explain it to them five times. This isn't what a nursing home does. This is what an assisted living home does. But they'll forget. Right. And to them, it's all nursing home. So it's uh, I mean, it's interesting how most people choose not to care. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the more they, the more we should educate the general public and have people prepare, the better. How do you think is the best way to prepare the general public? Well, I think most, like for me, like I am drawn in by stories mm-hmm. and real people. So I think um, when people. I mean, statistics and the macro picture, people seem to just, it goes in one ear and out the other. But when it's a a personal story, it kind of hits closer to home. I mean, this might sound funny, but um, I know that Glenn Campbell was a great guitarist. Uh, I think I'm thinking about Glenn Campbell. And um, I I think it's him. I just vaguely remember Mm -hmm. seeing video clips of him in his memory care facility and they give him an acoustic guitar and he still has the chops. Like he can right. play as good as ever. Yeah. And to me that hit home, like here's a, one of the greatest guitarists ever and he's living in memory care. Yeah. And so I think we, we need to remind people that this could be you. Right. Right. Yeah. Humanizing the care process so that people start thinking about it instead of it being something that they're like, no, 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 no. You know, this is right. like the very, very last thing that we're going to ever think about. Right, right. That's a good perspective. And, and I honestly, I feel like, you know, something that a lot of people don't talk enough about is the baby boomer generation, people born between 1946 and 1964 mm-hmm. are the second largest uh, population segment in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so 
there's an 80% chance that after you turn 75, by the time that you pass, you will need some form of long-term care. I think this conversation is going to start happening more and more often just because the demand for care uh, is only going to increase. Primarily because 2021, uh, the first baby boomer turned 75. So... Right, absolutely, and and you know, we many people call it the silver tsunami, right? Uh, that is upon us, and um, absolutely, and for people like us to educate uh, the general public and um, to help people to think ahead and plan, uh, it's sure. going to be very important. Yeah. So once you've finalized the level of care and the method with which to receive it. What will be the research and vetting process? What's the best way to find quality care and ensure the standards and practices of those providing services? Well, let me say this real quick, uh, because once you look at an assisted living home and you're interested, they Mm -hmm. send a nurse to do an assessment. Okay. And and the nurse um, can say, okay, you are formally invited to our general assisted living area. Or they might say, we can't accept you in general assisted living, but we can invite you to memory care. Or they might say, we can invite you and we strongly recommend the skilled nursing facility. Okay. And uh, when they do that assessment, and it's us- it's free, uh, they put a price tag on your level of care. Mm-hmm. So they say, we're going to charge you this much for the care and that might change every few months if you get better if you get worse depending on your needs um i've had clients put security cameras in their mother's unit Mm -hmm. to see the actual care that they're getting right and then they would argue (laughs) with with the staff of the building saying, you build me for this, 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 but you didn't even provide that. You provided this. Right. So um, a lot is each building has their, has their reputation and their track record. And so, I mean, generally speaking, a building that's brand new, there's a risk because everyone, all the employees and staff are new. Mm-hmm. And so there's no it's not set and the culture is not set. So uh, there are certain buildings where for many years they've had a good track record and a, a, a better reputation and less complaints about the care. So um, you really should know about each building and what it's known for. I see. So with regards to the people who can't afford to pay out of pocket and are on Medicaid and have to go uh, to a Medicaid facility, uh, what's that experience typically like and how does it differ from somebody that's going to an assisted living facility that they may be able to pay $10,000 for? Oh, I mean, it's it's a different world. It, it's a different world. I mean even just pulling up to the building and Mm -hmm. seeing the lobby and seeing it's just apples and oranges. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure anything. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything that you'd like to share so that maybe listeners can have a general expectation? Um, if they can't afford, which is the vast majority of people that can't afford to pay, um, 
out of pocket for care. I I mean I I don't I don't I mean God bless us all. I hope we can all be healthy and yeah. uh, and have great dignity in our mm -hmm. elder years and um, pass peacefully at the right time. So those who really do need help with these ADLs. Um, I mean, it's a tough situation for everybody. Even if you're the family that could just barely afford private pay, it's, it's painful. Yeah. Um, so, um, this is quite a crisis that, um, you know, our society is facing. Like, how do we help the elderly age with dignity and how do we take care of them? Um, Absolutely. it's, um, it's, it's often not a pretty picture. Yeah. So I want to talk about red flags uh, and kind of the vetting process for um, assisted living uh, communities that, that you typically deal with so that when people are looking uh, for different options, they know what to look for. What should you keep an eye out for when finalizing this process and committing to a facility or a specific care structure? And what red flags can we prepare for even after proper vetting and preparation? Um, I think it's like finding a good restaurant. If there is a long line, uh, there's a good indication that the food is good. Mm -hmm. If it's empty, it's probably bad food so or bad service. So... If a building there before COVID, there were only a few buildings that were always full with the waiting list. So that wow. is a strong indicator, and they don't, and they did very little marketing because they didn't have mm -hmm. to. Right. Word, of Word of mouth was strong yeah. enough. So to me, that speaks volumes. That's an objective. Like even if I'm convincing the families I'm working with, that th those are objective realities you can't argue with. Mm -hmm. Now. The opposite is true too. If a building is under 50% full and it feels like a ghost town and it's been open for many years, something's wrong. Right. And we, we people in the industry call that the debt spiral because they don't have the clients, or this sounds bad, but they don't have the heads in the beds. So they don't have the money to pay the staff. So the staff is, ratio is going down even more and they're not able to provide that care and uh, it's in a downward spiral. So the, the, the comical thing is they call that census, the population of the building. And whenever a, a potential resident asks for the census, it, it's, it's comical to me because most buildings would, will say, oh, we have two apartments available. It's it's not true. <laughs> they right. always say that. So right. to get the real census, I mean, if you're walking around and you, it feels like a ghost town, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Unless it really is a brand new building. Yeah. Do yeah. those type of facilities uh, or communities, do they end up switching to just being a Medicaid uh, primary facility? I've never seen that because, so here's, so, oh, here's what happens. <laughs> Yeah. My understanding from what I know in here is um, a lot of private equity firms and uh, BlackRock, is it, the real estate company, mm -hmm. they own these individual buildings. So they'll hire a national company to manage the building. So that okay. national company will put their logo and color scheme and design scheme throughout the building 
a lot of people think those companies own the building, but they don't. They're being paid to manage the building. I see. So what I've seen is the owners, I've seen really nice buildings in New Jersey fire the old management company, hire the new one at lightning speed, and they change the branding and all the signs overnight, change the staff, and it's a new company now. Wow. That's an interesting point of view. Yeah, I mean they're they're not happy with the way it was managed and um they think this new management company will do a better job and um it happens quite a bit. Would you say that's the norm? Mm, it's not the majority. It's okay. not the, but but it happens. And so what mm-hmm. what's going hot here, on here in North Jersey is they're constructing beautiful huge high-end assisted living left and right. And I think these companies are thinking it's this competition thing. They think that they could starve out their competition and then raise their prices later. But I guess it's, it's good for the client because the competition brings the quality up. And in some, some cases brings the pricing a little more reasonably down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we always like to end the show with a call to action. What's your best advice for someone entering the long-term care industry as a patient, as a caregiver, or as an industry professional? Okay, so uh, knowledge is power. Okay. (laughs) So for all of them, the more you understand and know this world, uh, you're at an advantage. So, uh, education, talking to people, seeing the big picture. Um, I mean, you really, I mean, the worst case, worst thing is being in the wrong building. Like I, I've seen some people in a skilled nursing facility where they don't even belong there. Right. And that's, that's minimum 10,000 a month in New Jersey for a shared room for a hospital like setting. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, education knowledge yeah good all right thank you very much uh this has been absolutely fantastic and thank you for offering your perspective uh on assisted living facilities and communities um the differences between all the various options that people have home care uh and also I think you made some very interesting points and pointed out some really good trends uh, for people to look out for. Uh, And also, thank you very much for the service that you provide. Oh, my pleasure. And it's an honor to be on your show. And thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for the work that you're doing. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Now or Never, Long-Term Care Strategy with Costa Yepafonsif. If you enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review, or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Now or Never, Long-Term Care Strategy with Costa Yepafonsif is a Costa Yepafonsif production. Today's episode was written and produced by Morgan Franklin, production assistance by Mike Franklin. Want to find out more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsif.com.